0: Welcome to the tech chaps the podcast for conversational tech news reviews and happenings according to the real world today's episode was recorded on february 16th 2021 thanks for joining us we're your hosts justin and ben on today's episode we talk about texas snow iphone 13 rumors and popular app overhauls that have some surprising changes so let's jump right into it snow in texas as strange as that is to say, it's having quite the impact on
1: the IT world. Yeah. So Texas uh, and kind of the surrounding areas, surrounding states are a little different uh, than what a lot of people are used to, uh, kind of on the East Coast. Um Over there in Texas, most of the power systems are decentralized, so there's not a central authority that powers a lot of it Um, or uh, a few companies that control it or a commission that, you know, creates rules on, you know, the exact way that each company has to set up their own power grid because of that there's varying levels of power companies that were prepared for the snowstorm. And most of them were not, um, because of all these power outages, uh, and because so much of the state is offline because of it. Um, it affected a lot of things such as, you know, uplink to major data centers. It's affecting, uh, cell towers, um, especially T-Mobile cell towers, um, because T-Mobile, unfortunately, and a lot of their tower sites only have a single uplink and a single power source with no power backup or generator, which means when that single power source goes out or that single carrier has a problem, everyone's having a problem on T-Mobile. Not looking too good over there. No.
0: And you're right. Things are, are kind of crazy there right now. And one of the biggest kind of culprits of this downtime right now is these uh rolling uh power outages that they're doing right so they're slowly trying to bring things online and as they bring them online um, you know they power them back down they bring it back up they're you know trying not to overload the system but at the same time that's not good for any of the companies that are trying to get things online um, or that are getting very close to the end of their generator um, or backup battery lives um, that they have in some of these data centers and cell towers
1: yeah And especially a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, gas stations, if the electricity is not working, the gas pumps aren't working. And a lot of these diesel stations, there's truckers who are going over there. They're already, you know, if it's a rest station or whatever, maybe a lot of them are, you know, getting the fuel that they need and just staying there running their truck if they can't deliver. Or if it's, you know, just the cab itself, they're staying inside to stay warm. Because there's either no hotel for them to go to, or trying to make it to their home, it's just not going to be an easy feat right now. So there's you know problem with supply there, no electricity. You know uh, companies like Verizon, AT and T are having an awful hard time sourcing this diesel, uh, and even natural gas companies, not to the same extent as you know the diesel shortage that's going on, um, but even natural gas companies are kind of having a hard time with everybody flipping on right now uh, that has it as a backup power. Um, source or, or fuel source um, it's a uh, it's a whole lot of things collapsing at once in a state in an area that's struggling very hard to figure out how to get past it
0: very true right now there's a whole host of new problems that they're trying to figure out how to deal with now but in the future they're gonna have to figure out how to prevent the issues they're running into now speaking of which power walls that's kind of a big problem right now too isn't it
1: some people uh, have had power walls that were installed proactively and for in case of situations like this um, so these people when it first started power outages were going on they were doing great they had power in their homes their batteries were doing their job uh, and their solar panels were helping to assist as well uh, main issue grid would kick back on and immediately these power walls would start drawing as much power as they could to recharge themselves from the depleted energy Uh, in some areas where there's a larger concentration of power wall owners especially austin a lot of people would have their power walls kick on all at the same time the grid would go go offline again because it couldn't handle that much power being taken out which is a unique situation that i think uh maybe Tesla hadn't thought of if it picks up a little bit more traction.
0: Right. Yeah. To say the least, that's uh, it's interesting on how that's happening, though, because this almost sounds like it's a problem that is easily solved by the manufacturers of these devices mm-hmm. uh, being able to have some kind of know, staggered approach. I, I'm sure they're all probably networked or intertwined, or at least the, you know, the manufacturer knows when these come online mm-hmm. um, or can, and it will give these power companies a break from them, you know, jumping in and trying to suck up as much energy as they can to fill up these power banks, to, to get them back to out of panic mode. Right. So I guess it, it makes sense. And, If I was disaster prepping, this would be something that I would look at because it makes sense, right? You know, if something is smart enough that it's going to do a prep and it's checking, you know, weather patterns or um, uh, it's getting a call from home for it to say, hey, you know, this is coming. Uh, Let's get ready for it. Um, That's great because that's one less thing I need to do. But if there's a hundred thousand of me Mm -hmm. and they're all doing the same thing at the same exact
1: time, um, that's that's probably pretty significant. Yeah. And there, and power wall owners have kind of noticed this problem pretty quickly. And there are some things that can be done to mitigate uh, how heavily these devices are pulling power from the grid. Uh, So people that, you know, which I I think would be a lot of power wall owners, you know, keep in check with other Powerwall owners around them and, you know, talk on forums and such. Uh, They started to notice, well, I can manually set a max charging limit when it comes back online, which can help a little bit. But I really feel like this is something that Tesla, if they don't do it now, um, you know, it's, you know, not going to be too great for future disasters that may come. There should be something that's put into place—an automatic update or monitoring feature, or something like that—that that can detect when there's a lot of draw from a, you know, fractured power system. So that way they can dial all those back down.
0: Yeah, this is—it's definitely a solvable problem um, for. Them, but I can't imagine the amount of stress um, that this would be putting on the power grid, especially when it, it's something. Like snow in what, 80% of Texas is, yeah. uh, is something that doesn't happen very often, uh, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a bad idea for uh, Tesla and some of these other manufacturers of these devices to kind of put their heads together and, and figure out what would be best um, for the general public uh, when things come back on. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about phones. So big news is iPhone 13 or 12S, whatever they decide they're going to call it. Um, Aside from that, really not much going on, but the iPhone 13 leaks are promising, uh, you know, more of what we want, just slowly and iteratively receiving the features. So with the iPhone 13, Max Weinbach, leaked out the other day that the 120 hertz display uh, is all but confirmed and it's about time it's getting painful to go between a 120 hertz s21 ultra and the 60 hertz that is my iphone 12 pro it is absolutely noticeable and once you have it you do not want to let it go so as responsive and UI changing that a high refresh rate monitor is to macOS, this will be the case for iOS. And along with that display tech, they're supposedly bringing always-on display, which is more great news. Uh, a feature that on the Android side that we are accustomed to, um, but is going to come to the iOS side. Uh, so we will see what the iOSification is going to do with that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Every time I switch back to an Android device and I pick it up and I can just do that quick glance or, uh, I think on Motorola phones, I think you can push down on it a little bit. Actually, I think on pixels too, you can push down one of those notifications on the always on display and get a little peek at it. Yeah. That's nice. They're very
0: focused when it comes to the way that they want their phone to operate. And that's been one of the best things about Apple devices. They work exactly as they intended them to, um, but I'm curious to see what they're going to do with always on display because there's only so much you can do, right? So it's going to be, does it look the same as what it does when you tap the screen and you see your you know, clock at the top, which um, is what Weinbach is saying? And then there'll be a row of icons. Um, so it kind of reminds me of what you kind of see in uh, the Samsung devices. So maybe it's that, but what level of interaction are you going to get with it? Is it just going to be there for you to see and know, or are you going to actually be able to click on one of the links um, or the shortcuts, like you had said, and be able to see more and interact with it?
1: But Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they implement it because it, it looking clean and, and being easy to get through, I know, is you know a big part of Apple. Um, and they haven't always been that way. iOS 7 was... Very new, but there were also some things that were very ugly <laughs> right. in that release and not very well polished, but was I guess I, we'll see.
0: Was iOS 7 the dots? Yeah, the that's when
1: everything was... Signal strength?
0: Worked. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I remember seeing that the first time and it hurt, it hurt to think when it came to try to figure that stuff out.
1: Yep. Yeah, the very translucency and, you know, harsh black lines on Notification Center. It's rough.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, you're right, though. I mean, they have a better track record as of late, but I don't think we're going to know until either towards the end of iOS 15 beta or when they actually release it. Because just like everything else Apple does, there's probably about seven ways they want to implement it right now that's going to be outlining code.
1: And uh, we're not going to know what when they pick to the very end. Yeah, and plus to see if uh, it'd be interesting if they make it a bit uh, extensible, too kind of what, because, you know, it's been iOS is so much more extensible and uh, customizable than I think it's ever been now. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if maybe they can give developers different ways that you can interact with these notifications on the always on display, if they allow you to do that. Maybe if you can like, you know, pop open a, a small widget of the application, if you you want to do a quick reply or a quick action on it, or if it's solely just going to be here's your notification and then you still have to unlock to interact further.
0: Yeah, they might do that. I could see that. Uh, Their widgets have kind of changed the way that I looked at widgets. I've always used widgets on Android. Mm -hmm. Most of them have been music widgets or or, uh, calendar widgets, just kind of the basic widgets. Um, But to see what Apple is uh, allowing, even though limited, um, iOS to have for uh, widgets, it's nice to see the developers kind of Working around the limitations that Apple has uh, available in their code for their widgets, Mm -hmm. and it it makes them think outside the box, and we get cooler things than what we would normally if they just had an open platform and let you put absolutely anything that you wanted to as a developer inside a box on a home screen.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely been pretty cool, especially with you know what people have done with Siri shortcuts. Right. you know, it, it feels like you're doing something wrong with how much you can do with it. Now you can basically build a whole application side of Siri shortcuts. Now. Yeah, you're right. Everything is a completely different direction. And for the better,
0: yeah. um, you know, Apple is getting more and more Android like, and Android's getting more and more Apple like, mm-hmm. um, but We'll see how that goes, Um, but then uh, for the rest of the you know iPhone 13 leaks, um, he Max is saying that there is dedicated astrophotography mode um, that will automatically. I say dedicated, but apparently it's going to automatically make itself available when it detects the moon and or stars. Uh, Hopefully, there's a little more control on it because if it's using AI to be able to see the moon and, and stars, but you want to use it to do, I don't know, some, some crazy cool uh, long exposure um, and in your controlled environment that you want to actually capture, it'd be nice to be able to actually do that stuff yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that if Apple really gets that right and Google doesn't step up their game for the next mm-hmm. pixel with a new sensor, finally, hopefully um, it's really going to make iPhone kind of back to where it used to be a while ago and where it's kind of almost at now where it's really the only camera phone or the only camera system in a phone that you want. Uh, cause you know, even on, you know, comparing, uh, my old pixel three XL, um, to the 12 pro max, when you take a picture at night at the stars, it's, it's, no pun intended. Night and day difference. You right. can see the stars. You can see, you know, the the artifacts in the sky and all that, and you can't with an iPhone. Although the 12 Pro Max takes significantly better night photos of things than a Pixel does now. Right. Yeah, that bigger sensor
0: um, definitely helps that out a lot. So the sensor tech that Apple's using is letting their AI play catch up. Mm-hmm. Where you're right. The next pixel phone is gonna need to see a different sensor that isn't four years old yeah so keeping with mobile phones microsoft duo it's a very unique handset and i gotta tell you everybody that loves it will use it as a primary and uh you know never look back and and take it for all its flaws um but the mass majority of people have uh I don't want to say dismissed it, but it's not very high up on the list when it comes to features and quality and wow factor that it is on some of the devices that we talked about last week, like the Fold 2 and the Razors. But Microsoft is still supporting it. Uh, Microsoft just announced uh, the wider launch um, to additional countries. So Canada, Germany, France, and the UK um, here, uh, if not already in the next day or two, um, it'll be made available, which is great for you know coverage for them. Uh, but at the same time, they're going to have to step it up a little bit on the features that they uh, kind of promised. Right now, we're still waiting on Android 11, and Android 12 is right around the corner. Uh, end of year, we'll be seeing the beta here shortly. Um, I I have a feeling that Microsoft was uh, trying to wait to see how soon they could get Android 11 on, and it might have proved a little too difficult, so they are delaying its release, and I really think that... Uh, according to these sources uh, Windows central uh, had said that the Android 11 release is going to be towards the uh, you know mid to end of summer but Android 12 is supposed to be released um, you know in the end of the year like october-ish so between now and then I really hope that they can get some of these uh, bugs continued to be worked out um, get the device performing at where it needs to be because uh, I don't think that Android 12 by itself with its multi-screen support baked in is going to get Microsoft the unbeatable
1: multi-screen device. Has uh, has has Microsoft committed to like a uh, a long-term update strategy for the Surface Duo?
0: When they released it, they said that it was going to be supported for 3 years. I know one of the big pushes was the monthly uh google security updates um, haven't really seen much more than that aside from some stabilities um you know bug fixes um, put in there but most of the things as far as updates have been software side uh, third-party software side if this wasn't a microsoft device like the office applications have been updated pretty regularly.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's kind of worrisome because it's, it's a very cool product. But when they announced that it was coming out, it was kind of a surprise because there were some rumors going on that it was going to be coming out soon. But it was kind of up in the air because I think earlier in the year, Microsoft has had a lot of their, you know, big plans were kind of being pushed, uh, like the Neo, for example, which is still up in the air for who knows how long. I uh, just I'd hate to see. You know, them make the effort to bring out the duo, have a lackluster launch. They're trying to push into more countries. And hopefully this is a sign of, you know, improved commitment to the platform and making everything they said they were going to be. And it's not just going to be let's open up to more countries, get more of these units out of our inventory and cut off support and start something new
0: right and yeah that would be a pretty shady tactic um, but it's not that they wouldn't be the first company to do it uh, i mean it makes sense if you're not selling them and the you know initial origin of a country that you've had them out for months now mm-hmm. then allow other
1: people to order them and deplete your stock and then clean your hands and move on yeah, I mean it's, it's happened before with the uh, Surface RT and the Surface Two. Right. Uh, I mean it, it it had wider availability, and you know it was a crappy situation for consumers. It was a crappy situation for partners because you know they pulled these people around for round two. So no, really, Windows on, on ARM is going to be a thing and you know Acer Asus they pushed out you know these tablets Nokia they pushed out these tablets ultimately just kind of fell flat and just bought up all the inventory did a fire sale i think a couple times on some of the models and ultimately went nowhere windows on arm is coming back but in a completely different way it is
0: it's just funny it, it, it's funny to think that that the, the surface rt was going to be the future but nobody was Nobody was ready for it, and nobody was prepared to sink the amount of money into development in order to get things to work on it. And, you know, here I am sitting in front of an ARM-based MacBook, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's it's funny to see where we are. And, uh, you know, the Surface um, – uh, what do they call it? The Surface X? Is- uh, yeah, the Pro-X, yeah. The, so, th- I mean, that's ARM-based, and you know, they've dedicated a, a, a lot of money um, to getting that, and, and it's awesome. The device is very slick. Um, it's it's futuristic to hold in your hand, especially with the minimal bezels um, on that device. So as long as they keep pushing in the right direction, um, hopefully things go well, because I, I don't want to see the, the Neo just fall off a their timeline especially now because there's more devices out there that are similar in the approach and form factor that the Surface uh, Neo uh, was supposed to offer um i think Lenovo has one um name escapes me um
1: thinkpad fold or something like that yeah
0: so that is the same idea mm-hmm. But I've noticed some of the reviews um, are kind of giving it a little flack for the keyboard implementation, which um, seems pretty spot on to uh, the only option that you have with a device that is all screen and you want to prop it up as a laptop, um, you know, Bluetooth keyboard makes sense. It's over top, the bottom half of the screen, and then you continue typing on it and it just closes on on it. But the... um, I guess the issue with the um, Lenovo uh, variant is the connectivity sometimes drops. Uh, I'm sure that probably can be addressed uh, with driver updates or something along those lines. But I'll be interested to see how um, Microsoft's first-party accessories um, are uh, because they are very good for the uh, Surface Pro tablet line.
1: Yeah, yeah and with the neo too it's gonna to be interesting to see if they continue on with Windows ten x because recently they've kind of restructured that to be more of like a chromebook competitor os yeah so i'm 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 interested to see if they're still going to use that as the base for a you know a dual screen folding device uh or if they're just going to retool Windows ten as it is now to you know better to make use of that space
0: yeah and not to. Go too far off the path, but Microsoft is wise to be doing that though, competing against Chromebook because there's, there's kids that are in school now and now more than ever that are just, you know, all the time using their computer now from home, but the computers that these school districts are providing are Chromebooks and they know how to do things on a Chromebook. Mm -hmm. So when they're older, if this continues, their needs out of a computer are going to be what a Chromebook is. So Yeah. There's a lot of potential there. So Microsoft, I I think they're right in doing that, but let's just hope that they didn't make the shift too late into product development of some of these other hardware pieces that they're trying to get out. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah. Um, speaking of product development, uh, Xbox, so, um, Microsoft, um, Xbox or project X cloud that they have for their streaming platform, um, which I've used. Um, I have it now with, uh, the Xbox live ultimate comes with it and I've used it with, uh, razors, mobile phone controller, and it, it works. Um, I've only used it at home. I haven't used it on any, you know, potentially spotty network or free access, um, I'm relatively close to my modem um, and I haven't had any issues with it. It plays pretty well. It's pretty responsive. Um, But the big question that people have is, you know, when is it coming to the web? When can I play it on an iPhone? Because, you know, right now you can't. So Microsoft is now testing in a wider capacity their web-based streaming. And... This means that the iOS side of it um, is probably going to come sooner than later, which I know they promised that it was going to come, you know, end of summer, uh, fall-ish. But if that hits sooner, they get to capitalize on the amount of people that are looking to play these Xbox games. Um, It's a big opportunity for Microsoft to be able to say that they have the amount of games that they offer available to play on basically any screen that you pick up. Because, I mean, Microsoft, their first party games are, are pretty huge, pretty widely known. And, you know, you only play Halo if you have an Xbox um, or a powerful PC, you know, at the time for the remaster for it or some of their other games. So it'll, it'll be nice to see this. Um, get to additional platforms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Microsoft has done a really good job uh, so far with how they're retooling Xbox as instead of just being, you know, the brand behind the box that sits at your TV, it's more of a, a service that, you know, has a, a lot of different components to it. Um, I think, you know, what they're doing with Game Pass, Game Pass Ultimate, it's it's a great value. You get a really good game catalog included for free and, you know, pairing that with being able to play those games on whatever's most convenient to you, wherever you are, whether that's a PC or, you know, your iPhone or one of the new series consoles. I think it's a, it's a strategy that's going to work out really well for them.
0: Right, yeah, and in the future... Streaming is going to continue to dominate, um, whether it's apparent to the end user if they're actually streaming something or not. If that gap in performance continues to shrink, it makes sense for streaming to take over and not continue to throw you know more and more storage and all of these physical boxes that sit at a TV when you could stream it and have. Almost identical performance um, out of it, so we'll see. Right now, I know that their um, their cloud gaming, I think, is what they actually call it. So um, their cloud gaming platform is running on uh, Xbox Series S based blades, mm-hmm. and they want to get them updated to the Series X base blades that way they can take advantage of the additional uh, horsepower and get some 4k um, which would be very important on the pc side right so if you're streaming something on a pc um, it is more important for you to be able to get a
1: higher resolution um, than it is when you're on a mobile device yeah or maybe like uh you know if they had an option kind of like a shadow has right now where you can choose to upgrade to you know better uh Better graphics performance um you know just a a simple monthly plan change um that would be nice because for somebody like me um you know i have a rx6800 in my machine and it's nice to you know be able to use up all that graphical horsepower but i also have a series s right next to it and playing Mm -hmm. games on the series s at 4k or even at 1080p upscaled it's still very good experience games that are optimized for these new consoles look fantastic. And the, and the the hardware itself is very capable uh, more so than I thought it would be for $300. Um, But if uh, you know, if they're upgrading everything, so you get the top level of performance when you're streaming, that's cool. Or if they just give you the option to, you know, do that bump up for the, for people that really want that extra power, that would be, that'd be cool too.
0: Yeah,
1: there's, it's
0: interesting to see the new console hardware and what it's capable of, um, especially when you compare it to PC gaming. Um, so we'll see. Flexibility is something that uh, console gaming has never, it has always gotten flack for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to have the console, you have to physically plug it in um, in order to get whatever you want out of it. And then you got to, Throw the disc in to play it. I mean, a lot of these problems that people had when they would go PC gaming over console are slowly disappearing. And now more than ever, the Xbox Series S X and uh, the PlayStation 5 are, you know, PCs first and kind of console second. I mean, the only thing they don't have is, you know, Windows or uh, a Linux-based operating system. Well... Microsoft does have a Windows based operating system, but as yeah. far as being a traditional computer, um, people just don't see that part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think now with this new series, more than it's ever been before, when I use the Series S, it just feels like I'm using a PC with a controller. Mm-hmm. Basically, it, it's, you know, the same thing. I've, I have my games on the store. I'm not putting it in a disc. I, you know, I have a, you know, they have Game Pass subscription. You know, it's a, it's a very easy console. It's quick. It looks good. Um, it's um, it's pushing it to the point where, you know, like you said about the streaming, I think the devices you access them on are kind of, they're going to fade away over time. It's just more about how you want to access it.
0: Yeah, it's all it's all slabs of glass is what it's going to be. Slabs of glass and right. your content is going to be from where you choose it from. But streaming is the future when it comes to it comes a lot of things, um, video games right now, but, um, in the future, I really see this moving to, uh, more towards, uh, software streaming, yes. uh, as well, being able to get Adobe into the game where, uh, your, uh, your machine might, you don't need a machine that's capable of running this stuff. So, um, and cloud-based is missing some features. So, you know, application streaming is, uh, somewhere else that, um, this tech, I believe is going to
1: go in the future. Yeah. yeah, especially, you know, if anybody can just pick up, you know, a Premiere Pro and be able to hop into it, have full capability of, you know, a very powerful computer from whatever they have gets a lot more people in the game faster. And people can you know acquire these skills or make the most out of their talents with little struggle and little investment into it. Um, and, you know, with a with the push of 5G as it is right now, it's just, a, you know pretty much marketing on top of LTE for the most part, because it's using the same core or unless you're staring at, you know, the, an access point, uh, so to say on a street corner, you're not really going to notice the difference of it. But I think as it expands and the latency goes down, the speeds go higher as you know, how it's slated to be. Plus, you know, uh, uh, bigger fiber rollouts. I think, you know, streaming anything is going to be the main way to consume content. Yeah. Or create
0: all right you want to talk about some changes that uh some people are going to be seeing with some applications that they may use every day that they might not like
1: yeah yeah it looks like uh LastPass, which everybody knows uh they're removing even more features from the free version uh making it even harder to tell grandma you know how we got you on you know the the road to start randomizing your passwords and keeping everything in one place well guess what that's going to be harder because on uh it looks like the 16th they're going to make you choose whether you want to be on mobile or on a pc uh to use last pass you can't use a multi-device anymore which is it really sucks for people that are using that free tier absolutely and i'm one of those too
0: i use it on my desktop and i use it on my mobile phone well after this change i'm gonna have three chances to swap back and forth and then whatever the last chance was is where i'm gonna be stuck behind a paywall in order to use the features that i'm used to
1: yeah which is you know i i believe in paying money for a good service but when you you know, systematically and slowly, take more features away from you know well-known brand with a lot of users on it. Uh, I, I think it just makes people not want to use it anymore. Uh, I mean, the it, log me in is no stranger to this. Uh, they did that with uh, log me in uh, one two three when it you know was first coming out it was getting more popular is a very solid free tool to remotely access workstations uh, you know, for your own personal use and even for small businesses. And their pricing packages for small businesses made it really nice so you didn't have to go with something maybe a little less trustworthy like TeamViewer. You give put LogMeIn me in one, two, 3 on everything. And here's the same thing again where they start taking features away little by little. Price gets jacked up and they alienate a lot of their core audience.
0: Right. And I feel like the reason why they are going this direction is because everyone's only using it for a password manager. Um, I think that LastPass, um, well, log me in. Uh, the owners of LastPass now have a bigger idea. They they want to turn it into, you know, software as a service. Um, they want to make sure that people are not just using it as a password manager, um, that they see uh, to put some more features in there where it can be used as, you know, the family tool uh, for family sharing. Kind of take a little bit away from, you know, Microsoft side and their OneDrive and now their Vault service. So we'll see exactly where it goes. But it's tough to kind of squeeze money out of a user base that doesn't want anything to do with the other features that you're bringing in just because you're putting a feature that they might've used behind a paywall. Um, I feel like that's how you lose customers, uh, not gain their trust and expand your user base.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, they didn't come out the gate with it being paid either. Like some other services, um, or you know, have a lot of, like you said, benefits to going with the paid model. Uh, part of the reason why I'd like One uh, Password has been so popular over the years because they started out with a limited free version, I believe, uh, or may have been with the with the inexpensive paid version but it's always kind of stuck like that and everything new that they brought in has always been the paid version and they've created kind of this cult of users that love the interface. They're happy with it. They had it early on. They feel like they're getting a little bit more out of the product than, you know, the average person, which you can't even get it for you anymore. And last pass never really went down that road. So they're backtracking. I think is uh, it's going to backfire a bit. This has big, been- implications for end users uh
0: that aren't going to be comfortable with seeing the pop up that says you must choose what platform you're going to be doing this on mm-hmm. um so people are going to be looking elsewhere i mean there's uh dashlane and um you say that you used uh right.
1: bitwarden right yep yeah, I've had a had a good experience with it. It's an open source project, but they have it, you know, the same old commercial offering that everybody else has. Where you know it's easy to sign up for an account, you have everything managed in an add on, mobile on your PC or whatever it is. And they also have a paid version that gives you some, you know, uh, additional functionality from it, mainly like two factor, um, uh, some advanced there and sharing. But uh, it seems to achieve everything that LastPass had up until this point. Uh, Well,
0: so it's good that there's options. Um, I haven't used anything more than LastPass, but um, this has me concerned enough that I'm going to potentially look elsewhere because I am the user that has LastPass on my phone and I use it on my computer and I need them both to work at the same time. And I'm not sure if I see any of the other features um, being enough for me to upgrade um, uh, just to get that that feature set which is free right now mm-hmm. back um i understand everything has its value but um this one little feature um is going to be the only thing that i'd be paying for so i'm, I'm looking at uh, other things so um anyone else looking to do the same thing there is a way to export your saved information um in LastPass. Um, Just sign it into your vault, and then uh, on the left side, there'll be an option to export. Um, You can export as a CSV, and uh, that should be pretty compatible with any of the other password managers um, where you can just do an import from there.
1: Yep. Yeah, and if anybody else you know uh, listening decides that they're going to export their stuff, make sure that you delete that CSV. After right. You do your yes. import. That's the last thing you want yeah. hiding around on your right. PC.
0: Don't put it on in your OneDrive folder. Don't put it in your Dropbox <laughs> folder. Don't put it anywhere that will replicate it somewhere that you will forget about. Make sure you destroy it. Yeah, get rid of it. Yes. Speaking of application changes, we have another one, not as big but uh, Trello gets a UI refresh. I hesitate in my day job of moving a button from the left side of a page to the right side of a page. Um, I can't imagine these entire UI refreshes.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I, like we were kind of chatting about uh, before uh, the recording. It's, uh, they're, they're definitely playing catch up with a lot of the competition that's out there to be a little bit more user friendly, look a little bit cleaner. Uh, and especially, you know, matching up with some of the, the theming that Atlassian has and some of their other things, but, uh, it might be, uh, I'm sure it's welcome, but Trello users, at least in my experience are very loyal to how things are set up and Mm. how they look. They like it just the way it is. They've gotten in their workflow, their brains tuned. And the slightest little change could throw off some of their users.
0: Yeah, uh, change is huge no matter uh, how small or big it is, I guess, when it comes down to it, but there's, is this is a big change, though, for Trello for it's, it's you're right, they're playing catch-up, like uh, Asana is an application that um, I've or a service, rather, um, that I've seen and used before and a lot of Trello now looks like that after this UI refresh, but there's color everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes is great. Um, I don't personally like that design choice um i know you have the options to you know turn it off and and kind of in the limited amount of theming that you have for it um what you can do but yeah it's it seems like an afterthought um but we'll see what the fan base um says uh when they release it well actually it is released now right
1: yeah yeah, it looks like uh, it's 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 already on its way out now. Um, I think people are starting to get notifications that the new interface is out. Um, I haven't seen anything about staying with the old interface, uh, but if it's matching up with the rest of Atlassian's rollouts, they're going to give you the option for a bit of time. Yeah,
0: Asana, Trello, monday.com, Um, They all are getting lots of news um, now more than what they have before, just because uh, their collaboration tools, um, their their utilities that have pretty decent integration into some other tools that companies are already using to try to stay connected during the pandemic. So they are getting the attention, but we're now almost a year into the pandemic. So um, you're right. They are playing catch up, but. But we'll see. I'm sure it's going to be appreciated by many, um, but some people might be looking elsewhere just because it's such a drastic change
1: from what they were. Yeah. And hopefully this, you know, is the beginning uh maybe to some additional functionality they're going to bring in some some new workflows that they introduce cuz that's very much atlassian it's all about workflows how you can you know create something that make life easier for somebody but it's also about you you wholly commit yourself to this new way of working However, maybe you're accomplishing a task or collaboration so you know either this will be you know a sign of good things to come and you'll change the way a lot of people work with atlassian products or just with Trello in general um, or they'll you know go back to the drawing board and you know Trello will stay how it is for a very long time much like Reddit v1 right
0: yeah we'll have to see how it pans out but yep. lots of options so if anybody's looking for anything else they can uh, stumble across many collaboration platforms. Um, Even some open source ones out there that are pretty good. Microsoft even has baked in ones, uh, right? So you got um, Planner to an extent Mm -hmm. um, that is now baked into, I think, even Office. I'm pretty sure Microsoft 365 now includes Planner. Um, So it's across the majority of their releases and it's, you know, quote unquote, free but it's available. It's a toe in the water, kind of get started with collaboration and the idea of bucket tasks and bucket lists, um, teach their own. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Um, but there's plenty of things out there.
1: Yep. Definitely. Lots of competition. It's always good.
0: All right. I think, uh, that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, again, Not a whole lot going on as much as we'd like to talk about, but in the next week or so, I really think that uh, the tech world is going to get kicked up and these leaks are going to start hitting, especially with Google I.O.
1: and Apple's developer conference. There's lots of stuff that we're going to be able to talk about here soon. Yep, definitely. Especially uh, next month. Normally, Apple does something every year in March. So uh, I'm sure it's just around the corner before we start finding out more information about maybe some of these iPad refreshes or uh, um, maybe even a refresh iPhone SE. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. March. It should be iPhone SE 2021 and, uh, and new iPads. Maybe they'll even sneak something MacBook or just Mac computer
1: related in there. Yeah. Like, it'd be nice to uh, see the M1 lineup expand a bit, or like we were talking about previously, M1 Pro, M1X. Right.
0: Yeah. Whatever they decide to call it, I am sure it will be fantastic. So it'll be it'll be nice to see them uh, them talk about all the great stuff that everybody's done with the M1 chip and how much you know physical time this has saved people. I'm sure we'll get one of those graphs and it'll be hilarious. But we will
1: see it. Yep. Two hundred percent increased productivity. Yep.
0: <laughs> all right. So that about does it and we will cut this off and uh, talk to you guys next episode actually I don't know how to even end this yeah how did we do it last time
1: I think we just kind of like repeated a variant of the beginning
0: yeah so well maybe so I'll start that off so I'll just do that so we'll just scratch everything that we just talked about for the past three minutes four minutes okay something like that all right. oh, I think that about sums Keep it up for this episode. Not a whole lot in the way of a groundbreaking technology and news on today's episode, uh, but there is more to come. Um, things should be picking up uh, pretty quickly in the next week or so. Um, should have some new announcements, um, some big moves for some larger companies, um, and the Apple event
1: yeah absolutely uh you know they, they haven't messed many years but i'm sure there's at least something small maybe some new earpod tips
0: ah, yeah i'm sure we'll probably see something of that and it'll be sold out as soon as it goes on sale um, but i do think that we see ipad refresh um maybe we can talk about that in the next coming episode so um, until then we'll talk to you guys in a few days Thanks for tuning in. I'm Justin. I'm Ben. Thanks again. Thanks.